Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of See You at Yours with myself, Matt McGinn. I'm delighted to have on this episode an incredible guitarist, a singer, a songwriter, producer, radio presenter, TV presenter, a hothouse flower, of course, a jack of all trades and master of them all too, the incredible Fakina O'Brien. And it was just so nice to hear the man chat. He's such a gent, such a wealth of knowledge and experience. It was just a lovely hour spent with him, and I can't wait for you all to get stuck into the conversation. Just before we do, though, this episode is brought to you in proud association with Two Stacks Irish Whiskey. They're an incredibly vibrant young Irish whiskey company. Their range is just beautiful. They blend the very best of contemporary Irish flavour with real distilling heritage. They're just at the forefront of Ireland's whiskey revival, and I tell you, I've sampled it. It's class. So check out their range. If you like whiskey, you'll like what these guys are doing. You can find out all about them at twostacksirishwhiskey.com. Now, here we go. It's myself and Fiakna. Enjoy. Hey, Matt. Hello, young fella. How are you? Not too bad yourself. I'm good, thanks. I am good. Ah, we've we've got similar backdrops. <laughs> I know you've a nicer backdrop than me. You've two guitars. I've only the one. <laughs> There's a few of them up there. Very good. What do you got behind you? What's the one in the corner there? I'll show you now. Hang on. Oh, lovely. So oh. there is where where are we going? We'll start over there. That's the Loudon. Lovely. That I've had since oh 1986 or thereabouts. That's the Gibson 335 beside it. And they're maybe the main two I'd use these days. Surely. And then beside that is a beautiful old Favilla 12 string. Is that Italian, is it, or something? It's, it's, well, I think it's American. Right. It was given to me when I was 18 years old and I worked as a golf caddy in New York for a summer. Oh. And our dear family friends, Maureen and Don Murphy, with whom I stayed out in Long Island, who got me the gig as a golf caddy, um, gave me that guitar as I was walking out the door. I mean, or Maureen, um, no, actually, I'm, I'm mistaken. Maureen, Don sadly passed away not that long after I'd been staying with them. And Maureen, his wife, who's an old family friend of, who's still, still with us, and is a great friend of my mum's, decided that I should have that guitar. So it's a very special. Oh, and friends. then beside that, at the very end, it's a Martin L7. Oh, uh, what year is that, do you think? 1935, which the very first time the Flowers played in Portland, Oregon, uh, a lady sent her son to our tour bus. We were parked outside the theatre and uh, he was brandishing three beautiful old guitars. So there was that one, the, the old Martin, 1935 Martin, a 1948 Epiphone and then an early 30s Gibson as well. And she wanted $1,500 for them. They were her husband's guitars. For the three of them? For the three of them. Shit. And her, hus- <laughs> her husband had just had passed away not long beforehand. And she heard that there were these mus- Irish musicians in town who were fond of acoustic instruments. And she, you know, thought this would be a good place to go. So, yeah, I mean, what an incredible thing. So did you, did you take the three or did you all... We took the three. Well, no, I, I, I took the Martin... Peter yep. took Peter took the Gibson, and Liam took the Epiphone. Oh God! And three very very unique sounding guitars. They, 
each one of them had huge character all of their own you know you know the way <laughs> I'm sure you do sure. you know the way oh. guitars have their own kind of voice you know alluring um, unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> well here man congratulations on the EP um, oh, thanks Matt what I'd love to know is like with the flowers you've had such prolonged success over a lot of years but this isn't your first solo release but mm. In a time where you're much more aware now from this release of what independent artists have to go through, and give us a wee bit glimpse into that there. Well, yeah, I mean, I did. I had made a solo record back in around. I mean, I think it was 2007. iTunes keeps telling me it was 2006, but I don't think I had it finished by then. I don't know if the date. <laughs> date the, they've got the date wrong, but I think around about 2009 I put it out, or 2008, 2009 I put it out first. But I didn't really put it out. I kind of. I, I, I wound up living in Paris for a couple of years. Um, my daughter, who's now 15, was born in France. And, um, you know, I was a, a separated father for that child, even when she was born, you know. So, but I decided to move over to France to be, to be nearby. And um, while that was a complicated situation in many ways it afforded me the freedom to be able to actually just be not only away from here and from family here but actually just to be in a city where i'd never lived before on my own so it was an amazing space to get into to make to, for for creativity for songwriting um and that's where i recorded my first solo album and i, I recorded it using you know one microphone i think it might have been this microphone that i'm speaking into here <laughs> and on a computer you know uh, and and it was it was recorded also, I mean, I guess part of the object of the exercise was to teach myself how to record and how, you know, how to do all that. You know, I've been writing songs for, for decades before that anyway, um, but not so many on my own, you know. So these were, you know, I'd had, I had it, by, by now I had a collection of songs on my own and I, so I got down to recording it and and then I never put it out. I kind of never, I felt it wasn't, you know, I felt it wasn't the real deal. I felt this was kind of like a demo, you know, done on Garage Band, you know. And, mm -hmm. and um, even though I spent a lot of time and got a lot of joy and fulfilment from making it, I just didn't feel. I don't know what it was about. I didn't feel confident in in releasing it, even though. So then I then I actually just put it up on iTunes without saying anything, as an experiment to see how that all worked. You know, had so I guess these were all experiments in how it would be to be an independent artist. And I guess this is 12 years ago. So I was emerging from having been in a band that had a major label deal and all of that sort of thing. And we toured the world and we'd had made many records. And, and these were things we never really had to think about um, because they were all done for us by other people. Um, so it was amazing. I, I, I was inspired in many ways by my work with Michelle Schacht, great Texan singer-songwriter, who yeah. back in the mid-1990s... Um, when the flowers went on a kind of a hiatus for about two years, I ended up doing a lot of work with Michelle. And she was, you know, 1994, 1995, was burning her own CDs and going to Kinko's and printing cardboard wallets that we then used Pritt stick to glue together on the tour bus and sold them at the shows. And this was unheard of back then, you know. Um, so it, that was that was a huge inspiration. It was it, it was inspiring in, in several ways. One in the sense of freedom that it gave the artist. And secondly, you realise that the margins, <laughs> you know, you might only be selling 100 CDs after your gig, but my goodness, 
you know, if you're spending a dollar to make that CD and you're, and, and, and you're making 10 bucks on it, it's, it actually flipped the model of what, how the record labels always kind of had it, you know. So that first solo record was kind of, you know, it was it was a learning curve in so many different ways, I guess, you know, from 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 learning how to record myself from 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 then actually putting it out. And then I kind of didn't I didn't I don't know what it was. Maybe I didn't have the confidence that it was any good. And it's weird that I'm talking to you today. Yesterday, only yesterday, I took delivery here at home of a box of CDs of that first solo record of Bougainvillea. And I was going in to do my radio show last night and I put it on in the car driving through torrential rain bashing off the windscreen and off the roof so I had to turn it up really loud to hear it and it was such a buzz it was like wow this thing is quite good so that was a thrill so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm about to start stuffing envelopes for the for, for Bougainvillea as well just hot on the heels of winter sun <laughs> <laughs> that's mad from 2007 13 years later on a sun CD and what was the reawakening then there must have been a moment where you just did you start the winter sun and then Bougainvillea and uh, going or was that which came first well I guess I did put I put Bougainvillea out at, at the beginning of, of the lockdown I guess which triggered so many things for so many people in, in so many different ways but particularly mm-hmm. it, 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 it really it made artists and bands and musicians like ourselves have to find new ways of of getting your work out there because the, the, the live circuit was gone and it's still gone um, so Bougainvillea by now, I think I took it down off iTunes and I wanted to, I had done a new, I had actually, I had, I had done a new vocal on one of the songs that I wanted to include in the record. So you had to take it all down to put it all back up again, that kind of thing, you know. So in March, I decided to put that up and put the Flowers record up and put a bunch of different records up on, just up on iTunes and through DistroKid, you know, again, this interface that enables you to just do it from home and then suddenly you're there, you're out on it and, you know, it's up to you to to tweet on Instagram and Facebook about it and let people know it's all out there. And that, that was as simple as that's what I was doing. And and then I had been talking with Claire Sands for about a year now, and she and I have, been, have become pals and have been working together on bits and pieces. You know, she was doing an MA in the University of Limerick and, and asked me, could, could she use my song, Bottle of Rum? Are you out there? Something's breaking on the horizon. Is it you or just another desert island? Can I land? Can I come into your heart? Uh, could, could we create a new recording of Bottle of Rum for her masters so that she could then, in turn, um, do a new arrangement for it and do a string arrangement particularly for it? Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, in the course of all that, I said, of course, yeah, I'd love to do that. And and in the course of doing that, she suggested maybe dropping the key a bit. She'd heard me sing. And so she made some really interesting and helpful production decisions on that version as well. So we, we had a bit of back and forth, kind of sending files down online. And then she eventually came here to this room and, and, and ended up, we, we played together on it. And it was just great, you know. Um, so that was one. And then the second thing that happened is I, I, just, I found on an old hard drive, I found a, found a bunch of songs that I'd written during the time that I was making Bougainvillea and writing those songs in, in Paris years ago. And I found a song or a couple of songs that I'd completely forgotten about. And one of them was, was Take a Look Around With You. And I sent them to my, my daughters. I mean, my, my eldest kids are now 30. My twin daughters, Cash and Leah, are 30. And they're good friends with Claire as well. So I sent it off down to them. And the next thing I know, I get an, an email from Claire who has added beautiful vocals fiddle 
percussion, electric guitar, all these amazing textures around my two-track demo that I recorded years ago that I don't have the multi-tracks for anymore or anything. And it just came back and was like, wow, it kind of totally validated a song that I dismissed years ago. So that was, there's two songs, both of them that have sea themes. And then, you know, a, a friend of mine locally here who has a podcast called Social Fabric, a guy called Andrea Splendori, and my other friend, a man who's now become my friend, uh, Neil Meehan, who takes these beautiful photographs. There's a gang of people who go swimming here near, near where I live in, in Greystones in County Wicklow. And they go swimming at sunrise and they have a thing called swim rise. And it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I tend to go swimming later in the day. <laughs> um, but anyway, I ran into these guys and, and, and Neil had done this beautiful slow motion film of the sea. And he was looking for a piece of music to go with it for, for Andrea's live podcast that they were having at the local theatre here in, in Great. So I said, I'll have a crack. I'll write a piece of music for that. I'd love to. And that was the piece of music, Winter Sun. That's how that came about. So then suddenly I got three pieces, all of which have these kind of sea themes. And then I remembered I'd recorded, while I was living in Paris as well, a version of Auron de Trauboyne, the song of the White Strand. There we go. There's the <laughs> sea again. And and with with um, some friends of mine from South Africa, from uh, Barry Van Ziel, who's a percussionist, played with Johnny Clegg, plays with all kinds of people, and Robin Hogarth, who's the composer and arranger for the Soweto Gospel Choir and various others. And we got a project going 10 years ago as well, online, batting files back and forth. And the basic idea was that I would record Shannon's songs in Irish and they would add South African voices and rhythms to it. And then they and then vice versa. So they sent me traditional South African songs and I got the tin whistle out and would would they sent me translations of the themes. So I was able to then in the Irish language write sort of Shannon style vocal responses to what they were sending me. And that's an unfinished project that still has, has yet to see the light of day called AFRIC, A-F-R-I-C. Um, so I decided by way of kind of reawakening that project that I should also add our Honor Throboyna to the to the Winter Sun EP. So that's how that came about. Uh, all of it came about from, I guess, from from having the time and space to think about it all due to, yeah. lock, due to lockdown, you know. That's fantastic, man. But they all sit so well on an EP as well. You know, I mean, you'd swear that it was all pre-designed. It's funny how how life can be that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, you could you could you could sit down and try to do it, and, and you'd you'd spend forever trying, you know. And then, you know, yeah, these were all. I guess I, you know, the way my life has been for the last certainly eight eight or nine years since 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 she and I have had you know two little ones at home. There's an awful lot less time to be able to sit with a guitar and and write songs, so. Yeah. In order to, you know, so I had to go, go, go kind of back into what I'd done before, with the exception of, of the instrumental of Winter Sun, which, which I, which I, you know, I did in less than a day, you know, <laughs> and um, which again is often the best way, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're not thinking about it or there's no master plan, you sometimes come up with something that's, that's really satisfying, you know. Yeah. 
Well, one of the things about Winter Sun, I love listening to it, and I just love because I mean, it's 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 very sort of steeped in trad, and you know the 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 sort of low whistle and everything's lovely. And then there's just that one point, maybe about two minutes in, we we just put that wee blues lick on the the sleigh guitar. That's right. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just had to put a wee signature in there somewhere, you know. That's right. But that, uh, yeah. no, it's last. And then take a look around you. I mean, it, it's it's as you say, like it was written so long ago, um, but yet like it's so apt. Yeah. And whenever I heard it the first time, but a month ago, it it was one of those ones that just sort of, you know, stopped me for stopped what I was doing for about three minutes and just allowed me to breathe ah. for 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 a couple of minutes. So it was oh, really great. just up to just take a look around. You know, things might not just be as bad as as what is portrayed. You know, well, isn't that the but, amazing uh, thing that happened with all of this lockdown? Is that it actually caused the human race <laughs> nearly everywhere to stop and look around? And and there was a, I mean, certainly where we're living, there was a palpable sense the weather was so beautiful yeah and there was a palpable sense even looking at the sea as i do as often as i can that it was cleaner and the air was cleaner and and just and and i wasn't the only one who was noticing this it seemed like there was a kind of a collective yeah you know yeah we were just and and, and there's no doubt that that was actually the case there were fewer cars on the roads there were fewer planes in the sky for a while and amazing there's a a lot to be learned from it (laughs) see but the skies are blue And the wreckage from the war Falls into the ocean Take a turn down the country road Where everything is new Take a good look around with you 2021 is about 30 years since bringing it all back home. Yeah. Which which for me was like a, a complete epiphany, like at the age of, what was that, 91, the age of about 13. Mm-hmm. And um, and your 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 version of uh, uh, Lake Sponsor Train was the first time I'd ever heard that song. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's your memories of that, you know, performance or picking the song or I mean now the song's very well known yeah as well known then well, I think I know we certainly knew the song then and I know Liam loved the song and obviously the people who were producing Bring It All Back Home Philip King and Donald Lunny really yeah. knew the song yeah and yeah. I, I think I can't I can't remember whether they were encouraging us to do the song or whether we had actually chosen the song um or maybe a bit of both, you know, some sort of... And I do remember the day we were in a place called The Factory in Dublin, which was kind of our HQ at the time. It was a, our office and there was a rehearsal room and all that stuff in there in a studio. And so we were in there most days, you know, just rehearsing and pressing, play and record on a cassette player or on a DAT machine or something and just writing songs and doing our thing every day. As as as, and That's how things were then, you know. Um, so now, like we're all in our mid twenties at this stage, um, and and really enjoying being in a rock and roll band, playing rock and roll music, touring the world, but also having that traditional thing in our in our blood, you know, and 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 really enjoying after we'd spent the day in 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 the factory that we'd pop up to Kitty O'Shea's for a traditional music session, you know, where where all kinds of musicians would gather m- many evenings as well, and so. When it came to recording the song, I remember recording it, and I guess what we tried to do is to just to play it how we would play it, simply. Um, 
and to include everybody in the band and not necessarily to go a purely traditional route but the song is a traditional song so that's going to come through anyway and we're Irish musicians so our Irishness where we come from is going to come through in it and yeah I mean I love when the saxophone comes in and plays the melody on the saxophone that's yeah it's 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 uh, it's, it's great I love uh, a lot of people have, have great fondness for that version I guess I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear that it, it was your it was the version where you discovered the song you know and I, I'm sure we had heard we had certainly heard um Paul Brady's version which preceded it and, and Christie's version I think too um, and I'm sure there were other versions around also but yeah um, I'm, de- I'm delighted to see that other voices are, are now um, I saw they just announced they're, they're, they're actually calling their, their next Other Voices series they're calling it Bringing It All Back Home Again About, about a year ago I really had a, a notion of really wanting to, to actually do something to celebrate it because I wasn't even sure if um, like I know that you would have been involved with things and, and other people and I would say probably you don't realise at the time the impact that that has on like a 11 year old or a 12 year old yeah. that's hearing it for the first time so I was I was hoping that that, uh, that it was the case that people were aware of how how big a thing it was for, for a lot of people You know it's it's still to this day it's a song Everyone shouts it up at gigs, you know. Play it, give us the lakes of Pontchartrain. train. This, it's, it's one of those songs, you, you play the first couple of chords of it and you can kind of hear the audience kind of going, ah, yes. Um, yeah. So, no, it's, it's, I love listening to it still. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a proud recording. So fare thee well, my Creole lass, who I will see no more. So here's this, this band of young bucks in their, in their early 20s I remember certainly from my point of view as, as you know as an, an electric guitarist at the time you know having to take your foot off the gas a little bit or you yeah, know having yeah. to w- restrain your urges you know and play this song with 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 um, with a bit more finesse or a bit more you know to be delicate with it you know and to kind of to 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 treat it well and, and hold the song you know um I, I, I remember having that feeling about it for sure. That's brilliant. And then probably something then you would have taken into the next Hottest Flowers record going, ah, I think I, I think maybe I learned something in the studio last absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I, I think we did, you know, where you can, you know, as, as you get older, you, you find out that, you know, leaving the space, leaving the room in the music for, for, for all of the tones to breathe is, is, a, is a magical thing, you know. Whenever you're talking about recording your 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 album in the room in Paris, it took me a long time to figure out is that whenever you're in the room playing uh, music with other people, it's not just the musicianship, but it's also you almost get like, what do you think? Good, yeah, okay, let's move on. Mm. Whereas on your own, you almost sort of get sucked into that uh, analyzing and and sort of being very self-critical. Do you ever get that there, or is that just something that you've learnt with the band? You can still record on your own as easily. You know, when I started recording on my own, I think I certainly, yeah, you get you get very critical and very analytical. And as time went by, I started to learn that if you kind of come up against the wall, you know, just to leave it alone for a while mm-hmm. and just to start doing something else, you know, just jump into another idea. And you invariably get that to the same point, <laughs> but then you can kind of revisit the first thing and 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 letting it sit and letting it marinate literally 
for a while yep. is hugely helpful. Uh, I mean, the song we talked about earlier, "Take a Look Around with You," is a, is 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 that in excelsis? That's years and years <laughs> of leaving it alone and then realizing, oh, this thing wasn't too bad after all. The the funniest thing happened as well is that I was listening to Bougainvillea in in the car yesterday, and there's a song on Bougainvillea that I wrote around the same time. And I was clearly stuck for a few lines in a verse. And I listened. Oh, there's the lyrics from "Take a Look Around with You." There's two lines in one of, in, in, in one of the verses in a song called "Paris Moon," which I literally lifted from "Take a Look Around with You." So I'd, I'd obviously discarded it into the kind of "to be continued" folder, and then you know plagiarized myself in the process. <laughs> Those lines were like, "By hook or by crook, we're getting out there." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're now in two songs. <laughs> You just lent yourself so well to the radio, to the TV. Ah, yeah. Well, you, thanks for for a start. <laughs> um, that that came about quite organically, really. I, I mean, I suppose you know when you're in a band and you you know you're touring, you're you're in and out of radio stations and you're speaking and you're kind of you know you get involved. And you you know there was a, there were a few occasions where you know you'd be asked to guest present something. You know, um, so that had happened a, a couple of times. And then in doing bits and pieces of TV with the band, you know, it inevitably got asked to do some voiceover for, for something. So I, I had just completed, oh, maybe 10 years ago now, a TV series called Encore. It was called, which literally means the choir. So right. I, I was presenting this. It was kind of like a choir competition, uh, choirs from all over Ireland uh, competing against each other in this kind of, you know, like, like, like one of those TV talent shows, you know, except they were all choirs. So it was amazing. And as part of that, I, was, I had to travel the country and, and, and kind of discover the background to lots of the songs and so on. And then ended up in a voiceover studio doing the narration for the series afterwards. And the engineer said to me, he says, you've got a great voice. He said, I, you know, I think you should do a little, I'm going to do a little demo uh, voiceover reel for you. You know, you could, you'd sound great in the radio and so on. So that's, I said, great, let's do it. So we did that. And then from there, I decided, well, maybe there's, maybe I should try and add add a few strings to my bow, you know. And so I rang a few friends and I, I did a kind of a Desert Island Discs type. Uh, I set up, a, went, went to see Bill Whelan was one, Caroline Corr from The Corps was the other, and the magician Keith Barry was the other. Three, three very different. And I asked them each to pick three of their favorite songs. And I went around to their houses and I just recorded them talking about them. And then I spliced the songs into these kind of interviews. And I whittled it all down to a very, you know, concise little 10 minute demo. And I sent it into RTE and they called me back a few weeks later and said, well, we don't, we're not really looking for this kind of programming. At the moment, there isn't really a slot for this. However, there's a program called Late Date and the presenter is off on holidays next week for four days. Would you like to come and present it? <laughs> So I did. And so it was a total baptism of fire. I mean, I, I'm so grateful to Aidan Butler, who is the, one of the senior producers in RTE, who is the, the most patient, you know, musician friendly. Uh, he, he was like an oasis of calm. So here am I live on air for the first time, having poured over my song list for days beforehand, having gone into RTE to rehearse the opening of the show and all this kind of thing. Because it's a very abstract thing to do when you do it for the first time. Yeah. You're, you're kind of talking to yourself, but you're also driving this machinery, you know, having to hit the faders at the right time and the jingles and be out for the pips before the weather and all these very 
kind of what, what when, when you listen to the radio they all seem very seamless and it's all very easy but when you're actually in charge of it you're, you're doing all this mental arithmetic in your head while trying to speak at the same time while trying to fade a song <laughs> so I got you know but it's it's it, it was likened very aptly to me as you know you know when you learn to drive a car you got to get the clutch and the accelerator and the gears and you're you know you're, you're crunching the gears the first few times and you're not really able to talk to any of your passengers you know but as time goes by and you get used to the the, the mechanics of it all you're able to have a chat and so I really really have enjoyed that whole process over the last few years it's it's become I ended up you know nicknaming it my music sanctuary it, it, it kind of is you know when I'm at home with young kids all day every day it's it's an amazing thing to be able to go into a, a room on my own and and play music that's get that you know where you're interacting with people all around the world and everyone's there for the love of music it's a beautiful beautiful thing <laughs> would that be a reason why that you should have consciously you're so good at the social media aspect of it just even virtually know that that audience is there and to, to have some sort of a communication with someone well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, that, I fell into doing that kind of gradually as well. Like when I started, I wasn't doing any sort of Facebook posts or anything about, you know, hey, I'm going to be on the radio in half an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then gradually I started, you know, putting up a little photo on Facebook and whatever. And then, you know, and then when I kind of discovered Instagram and videos and, and that kind of opened up a new world in that regard as well, because I kind of just do, you know, I started off by just doing a little video message that ended up on my Facebook and on my Twitter and my Instagram of like, you know, coming up on the show and people would then start interacting that way. And now I, I started doing stories, you know, during during the songs and tagging the artists that I played. People like Matt McGinn. <laughs> <laughs> Very much appreciated. Beautiful new song from Matt McGinn. Dear Annie, how you doing? Yeah. Thought I'd write before the snow. Who then, who then end up sending you messages and then you end up having this really lovely dialogue. You feel it's made me feel connected to my music community, you know. And that's an amazing thing, you know, especially in the last six months where nobody's really seeing each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet we are seeing each other, you know, and we're in touch with each other and we have a feel for one another. And that, for me, it deepens my experience of what I'm doing. Um, I love... New, I mean, the amount of incredible music coming out of this island is, is yeah. extraordinary. Um, and I've told you before, when we last spoke on the phone, your record is it's just, it's an astonishing thing of beauty. And, the, and, and what you're putting across with that, with, with, you know, with, it's just, it's deep, you know, Lessons of War, the song about Lyra McKee, um, the, the song that's based on the, on, on is it Brona from, from, Yuri, Bubblegum, <laughs> like just beautiful, beautiful pieces of work. And then by oh, do by interacting on social media with that, then you you start to put meat on the on the bones of those songs in ways that enhances, you know, selfishly enhances my own experience of all of it. But I think then also the listener really loves hearing that as well. I think it 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 deepens the experience for for us all. And, so I mean, there there have been times when I'm holding <laughs> I'm holding the camera up to myself as I'm on air, you know, in my own studio, <laughs> feeling like an Egypt. I said, "Oh God, is this just narcissistic? You know, is this just oh?" And then you know, you inevitably get somebody who calls you and you know, this is just narcissistic. You're just you know, self upset. You go, "Oh God, I may, maybe I should stop." But then then you get so much feedback from other people saying, "No, no, it's great, it's great. Keep doing it. Please keep doing it." So that's you know, it <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
plus the thing, I mean, like I appreciate everything that you're saying about the, the music and all that's class. But it's also, I think you, between being part of a label and part of an independent, also realise how much work a label does in terms of, like, they're, they're, they're that machine that gets the stuff out there. So that whenever somebody like yourself um, promotes an independent artist, how how much it means to the independent artist and how important it is. Oh, listen, it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, I was, it's, it's so difficult. I can't imagine I'm so lucky to have, I mean, I've got this radio gig, you know, that's, that's from which I'm making part of my living, you know. Uh, I was never making my full living from it. Uh, yeah. I probably never will, but that's okay. You know, it's great it's, it's because I've also got the, because I'm a freelance broadcaster, I have the freedom to do, to be involved in other projects and to be the musician that I am as well. And, and, and to know that they're happy for me to go off on tour um, and they'll get somebody to do my shows if I'm doing that, and then I, but I can come back into it. That's an amazing gift to have in in, in life. Um, but yeah, like to get even even from putting out Winter Sun, you know, and and Bougainvillea, and even the Flowers' recent records, you know, they've all been put out independently. Yeah, um, true. You know, nobody's. You know, it's a struggle to make a living from 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 that alone. Uh, yeah, and I've spoken to several musicians who 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 are telling me and, and these are guys who are they've got you know higher profiles certainly than i do as, as a, and they're they're you know struggling to break even um and they've got kids and they've got families and they've got you know all of that stuff to provide for um so it's yeah it's tough i do i i, I completely get a sense for how tough it is and and that's what well that's not necessarily you know i'm 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 spurred on to I guess spread the word yeah. from from a love of the material and for how great it is, and and I guess secondary to that is the fact that you're yeah you're I, I guess you're helping promote people who who need to be promoted you know who need to be supported. Yeah. But as you say, I suppose you you don't really feel like you're it's not like you're sort of cutting any corners in quality by by looking inwards to Ireland and to independent artists. You 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 know you still feel like the quality's there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, the. the I think the quality is there more and more. I saw I saw another DJ, who's Paul Cullen, who's 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 um, he's that singer, great singer D Cullen, who had that great hit song "All Right" a couple of months ago. His dad is a radio presenter as well, um, on 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 one of the stations near where I live here, and. I, I could, there was a Twitter dialogue going on between him and another DJ called Dave D Moore, and and they they were kind of saying. It's not. It's 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 much more difficult to put a playlist together now. There's just way too much. There's too much choice. You've got to, you know. Yeah. There's so much that comes in now, and it's all so. I mean, I look at Martin Bridgman does an amazing job down in KCLR. He, you know, yeah. he he's succeeding way more than I am in, in kind of taking it all in and 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 even just getting the time to sit down and listen to it all. And the, you know, the thing I also hate is, you know, I get sent lots of music. But I hate that thing of you listen to 30 seconds or something and you kind of go, ah, it's like, how would I feel if that was me? You know, I, I'd feel terrible. And yep, so it's, yep. it's, it's difficult to keep up, which, which, which also points to the fact that the standard, yeah, absolutely, uh, the standard of, of Irish music is higher than ever. It's higher than ever. Yeah. yeah. And it must be something to do with, um, I mean, home recording, people, you know, uh, putting in their 10,000 hours, as they say, you know, to sort of to, to finally... You know, so I mean, like, like I got, I got me first 
Pro Tools thing about 15 years ago, and I think I've finally figured out how to work it. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, how to get a decent sound of this guitar. Like. I, I, I made Bougainvillea on GarageBand, you know. Oh. A, 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 I'm not joking. All of that record is recorded on GarageBand. Uh, so there's no crossfading. There's, you know, the editing facilities are very limited, and, and, and but that's how that's how I did it. And then, of course, I've since then upgraded to Logic, and and uh, I don't know my way around Pro Tools that well. I've, I kind of went the the Apple GarageBand to Logic route, but it's essentially the same thing, you know. But uh, they, yeah, I mean, they are. Ama- it's amazing that you can go and buy a laptop now that basically has a home recording studio built into it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, provided people with, you know, it's 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 provided people with the ability to make really high quality sounding music um and you know just at home you know for for very little for very little budget for very little outgoing it's taken it's it's demystified you know the fact that you know we used to go into studios that were a thousand euros or a thousand pounds sterling in london a day and more 25 30 years ago you think about that that's like wow (laughs) you know there's there's no there's no need for it really Last thing I'm just thinking I, I, I'd love to uh, chat to you about is uh, Grand Tour. Oh yeah, remember the uh, thing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I'd love to get a, like a, a to sort of see it through the eyes of somebody who gets a call and goes, "They want us to what?" <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was exactly that's, you hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I was sitting in in my in my in my equi- the equivalent room to this room a couple of years ago before we moved and. Oh, the phone rang. Oh, it was an email first. I think there was an email through the band's website. Can you please call us about this TV thing? You know, that was all they said. <laughs> so got on the phone and a guy answered. He said, oh, hi. Just chatting away. I said, well, look, we've, we're making this um, TV program about cars. It's uh, the Grand Tour. It's basically the follow-on to Top Gear. I said, okay, go on. And... We've got this idea. We're, you know, we've got the. We'd like you to feature in it. Um, Jeremy Clarkson. He's a big fan of the band. He's a big fan of your song. I can see clearly now, and we'd love to, you know, find a way of featuring that song. I said, wow, great, okay. And and how, you know, how do you propose going about this? We said, well, we're not quite sure yet, but we, you know, we might like you to come out to us, and and we'd film you performing the song. I said, well, that sounds great. And then, so that was the that was the initial conversation. So I went back to the guys in the band and they were, to be honest there were mixed feelings and I was like oh really okay uh, you know so I was kind of all set to call them back and say you know what we're gonna nah I don't, I don't think this is gonna happen you know and then a couple of days later Liam called me back he said actually you know what let's do it you know let's, why not let's do it and I went brilliant what a, you know so by now we're all aware of the fact that the Grand Tour actually is going to be this Amazon Prime, hugely promoted, hugely viewed uh, TV program. Not only that, 
But they wanted to use, Ike, it became clear that they wanted to use I Can See Clearly Now as the very opening shot to the yeah, whole yeah. thing. So, yeah, it was amazing. So we, we, we literally, we flew out to, to, to California and out to the desert there, to the Mojave Desert where they were filming. They'd kind of done a mock-up of Burning Man, you know, and we, we, yes. we'd played Burning Man a couple of years previous to that. Did you? We had, yeah, yeah. We played, we were invited to play Burn, Burning Man at, uh, these guys had a kind of an Irish camp there called the Paddy Mirage. And they invited us out to play to Burning Man. You know, we didn't, there was no money. They just basically flew us out. Would you like to come to Burning Man, hang out and do a few gigs, which we did. And it was an extraordinary experience, you know. Surely. So it was funny to see this mock. So a lot of the art cars, those incredibly elaborate vehicles that they showed on the, on the Grand Tour were actually people from Burning Man bringing their art cars and their, these extraordinary vehicles to, to the Grand Tour. Yes. And they called it Burning Van. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we we flew out and we and we ended up performing I can see clearly now for an afternoon and they filmed it and and they filmed the opening scene is when the three boys uh, arrive in their cars and they hop out of the cars and they jump up on stage and they go ladies and gentlemen hot as flowers welcome to the grand tour and so I can see clearly now it, it, it actually spurred us. We had just finished Let's Do This Thing, the record, and we hadn't really even fully mastered it or mixed it properly. We said, we've got to get this record out. You know, this is going to, this is going to be great. It's going to be lots of people coming to our website all of a sudden. So it, it did. And I can see clearly now went to number one in the UK and in the, in, in the yes. iTunes charts 26 years after it was first released. You know, so it was it was very thrilling. And, and we also got to meet some beautiful. They, they, they brought some wonderful musicians in to play with us, like the saxophone player. Oh, uh, there's Neil Diamond, saxophone player, um, because Leo, our, our original sax player, was was no longer with us in the band. And uh, oh yeah, then the backing vocalists were great. There were these like you know, beautiful black American gospel vocal choir. Yeah. You know, there's about five of them, and they were just astonishing singers. You know, so we had a great great few days putting that together. And and Brilliant. I think it also, in terms of the band's profile, you know, the phone started ringing a bit more often afterwards and we ended up, you know, doing a whole bunch of festival shows and all that kind of thing on the back of it. And then we and we put our record out. We kind of put it out just through our website and, and you know, the way the way we operate, we, we're, 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 we're not terribly organized. <laughs> and, you know, we ended up, then I listened to the record that we put on our website. I said, oh, that sounds dreadful. It was the mad. It's all wrong. So we ended up remixing it and then giving it to free to everybody who was on the mailing list and then putting it out properly again subsequently. So anyway, it's <laughs> the Grand Tour. I, I've never, I've never watched any of the Grand Tour except for the first five minutes of the first, <laughs> first episode, which I'm sure millions uh, of others are the same. Like you know, yeah. Not fair play. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind Fake, I think uh, I'm going to wrap her up there and let you hit the road. What are you, what's, what's in plans for the rest of the day? Plan for today, um, I've actually, well, I, as I mentioned, the Bougainvillea CDs have just arrived in the door and, and, and I've got to look at my band camp now and have a look and see. Get see, them out the get, door. Get, get, those, get those orders out. I've got to get some of them out because some of them are there for about 10 days and you're going to get, oh God, sorry guys. You know, this is not 24 hour express delivery. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, FOB trying to get a few things done at home while the kids are in school <laughs> and uh, and all of that. And then I'm I'm obviously I'm uh, I'm on air again later tonight. So I'm in very good in for John Clayton at the moment. So yeah, so I'll I'll 
I'll, you know, around about two o'clock this afternoon, I'll start getting the old DJ hat on and uh, put a show together for this evening. Fagna, thanks so much for being a part of See You at Yours. And next time, hopefully we can do it in the flesh. But for now, thanks so much. Thank you. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I certainly did enjoy sitting down and have a chat with Fekna O'Brien, an incredible talent. You know him as a hottest flower. You know him as a radio presenter. Check him out on those platforms, but also check out his Bandcamp page where you can listen to his incredible solo material. This episode was brought to you in association with Two Stacks Irish Whiskey. Check them out at twostacksirishwhiskey.com. You'll love it. But for myself, Matt McGinn, I'll see you at yours. See you next time. Thank you.